Lauren and RJ, The Frangie Show, starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome here. Glad you're along for the ride on a Thursday installment of our program. Our Thursday is always brought to you by our friends. It's Stanley Pools, the pool company in Jacksonville if you need a pool. It's winter now, but before you know it, it'll be warm. It's always warm in Florida, right? Uh, our friends at Stanley Pools are the best in the business since 1988. Greg Stanley and his whole team over there. They do a wonderful job. Frank Frangie, Hayes, Carline, R.J. Saunders. Lauren Brooks will be along in a minute. She's uh, finishing up some radio business, and uh, but she'll be here before you know it. So in just a few minutes, uh, she will jump in and join the uh, fray. Ball game in Nashville. I'm getting to where you are. I'm kind of confident yeah. now. Yeah, I've come around. I've just been thinking about it and thinking about it, and I'm scarred, guy. Mm-hmm. I because I I'm the kind of guy that. The Titans have beaten the Jaguars 78 years ago one time by one point, and now I'm convinced you can't ever beat them. Right. I'm, 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 I hate that I'm that guy, but I'm that, I'm, I always remember the bad. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of that guy. But um, looking deeper at their offensive line, looking deeper at – I do think there's some dysfunction yeah. between Vrabel and Rand Carthon. I think they're different kind of guys. I think Rand kind of wants to put his, his print on it. I think there's something to this whole Patriots-Vrabel thing. Um, usually dysfunctional teams struggle. Um, I'm way more comf- confident than I have been. You've been you've been confident all along in this one. I think it's going to take the Jaguars choking to to lose on Sunday. Now that can happen. I mean, look, that happens in sports. Uh, this this team doesn't seem wired for that, and I do think they're getting healthy at the right time. But if the Jaguars play a B level game, they're going to beat Tennessee. Uh, the Tennessee is, I think, incapable of playing an A level game. Uh, they're two and seven in their last nine games, averaging sixteen point one points a game in, in those matchups. Uh, I mean, we've we've talked endlessly about the sixty-two sacks that they've allowed. Their veteran quarterback believes he doesn't have a chance at times behind that line. They're coming off a one of one of twelve on third down performance, fifty-three plays for one hundred and eighty-seven yards, and six sacks allowed in a twenty-six to three loss to Houston. Who had C.J. Stroud, but I don't think Houston, from a defensive standpoint, is you know the '85 Bears by any stretch. The, the Titans are just a bad team. They're just they're a team that, and and we knew this would happen by not committing to a rebuild, having one foot in win now and one foot in rebuild. They have become a really terrible team. They still have some pieces. I mean, you know, most teams would love to have DeAndre Hopkins and Derrick Henry. You know, there's there, he's going to have a lot of interest in the offseason if this is his last year in Tennessee, as I would expect it would be. But there is a collective, it's a really poor roster. And a lot of their decisions have caught up with them. I, I mean, they just – and the, the thing, too, that's surprising about Tennessee is they just don't make any plays on defense. They're last in the league in interception rate. Uh, so they and they've only had 12 takeaways all year. So there's just – it's hard to find – I mean, again, we're at the end of this thing now. You, you are who the stats say you are. This isn't us looking at it after three weeks and, and making massive judgments on who these teams are. You know, we, we have seen them for a, basically a full year. That's not going to get better. So unless the Jaguars just choke and play a terrible game, 
they're going to beat the Titans. Lauren Brooks walked in. How are you? Hello, I'm great. Thanks. How are you? Hey, good. Doing good. Fine. Good. You confident? I'm getting to that point. I think it would be easier if we knew Trevor Lawrence was playing and they would have Zay Jones and Christian Kirk. You'd go, okay, this is when they're going to really find their groove finally. But because I think there's still questions about that, I'm not as confident as I should be or I think I will be. But look, like Hayes was just saying, I mean, this is a beat up, wounded team. And you are fighting for your playoff lives. There should be an extra juice in this building. And, and Frank, I'm sure you were there today. Was there extra juice? There was, You know what there was? Yes. It, no. But your question's a good one. I don't think they need extra. Number one, where, where you're going with it is correct. And that is they understand the stakes that, that are that, that's at hand here. But what I like about them is this is a team that, that, ha- that, that is in the proper mindset. They're, they survived the swoon. I think the locker rooms at a good place. That's where you're going with the question. Yeah. I think. I think the I think the locker rooms at a good place. I think uh, they understand this. They under they lost four games in a row. They ne- they never became a broken locker room. They never became a broken team. The culture never changed. They believe in each other. It's corny as it sounds. They're at a good spot. Now you say all that and you lo- they lose, and I sound like an idiot, but I but I think that's where they are. I think it's a team that is at a good place, and that's that that culture that Doug Peterson built and and. When you really need it is when the adversity hits, and they they survived it. And I think they're in a good place. I think they're going to win the game. They understand. And I think they're healthy. You know, I, I hope Trevor plays. I'm guessing he's going to. I don't think they know. Uh, in fairness, I don't, think I don't think you're going to hear an announcement today or tomorrow that they're going to have Trevor Lawrence. But I'm hoping he does. I'm hoping he plays. He did throw a little bit today. He's going to throw a little bit tomorrow. He hadn't thrown in a while now. So I think, they, uh, I think they're hopeful they have Christian Kirk. I think they're going to have Zay Jones. I, I, I'm confident they're going to have Zay I'm hopeful they have uh, and confident they're going to have Trevor and, and Christian. We'll see if that gets announced. Look, this is as healthy as they – other than Jamal Agnew, they're healthy. I mean, look, what a great time to be healthy. What a great time to – and, again, I'll say it again. The best position to be in is having – the best position to be in going into the final week is having clinched. The next best position to be in is you can clinch – and you don't have to worry about what anybody else does. And that's where they are. They can clinch no matter what anybody else does. So, yeah, I like, I like where they are. So the assessment of the Titans is correct, Hayes. I, I said this during the handoff. I think the Titans' offensive line is the weakest in my 10 years of calling games. Because they're, they're a physical team. They've always been a good line of scrimmage team. Well, their offensive line isn't very good. And they don't have Jeffrey Simmons, who's one of the best defensive tackles in the league. And so – I mean, from a personnel standpoint, they're not entirely different than the Panthers. They won five games. Now, I do think there's a toughness. I think Mike Vrabel's a really good coach. I've said all along I'd rather see them play Will Levis than Ryan Tannehill, but I'm guessing it's going to be Tannehill. It's my, what's your guess? I would guess it's Tannehill. Yeah. But, I see, I, I think it's better that it's Tannehill. Yeah. I, I mean, Levis might at least trust his guys. If, right. if Tannehill doesn't trust his line, he yeah. he is not going to play well. Yeah, so, and, and hopefully that's the way it'll play out. So so we'll see what winds up happening there. So we'll see. I, I got a good feeling about who they are and where they are. And and uh, and, and look, I mean, we are – If we keep saying, look, the bad news is the season could end. And by the way, if Pittsburgh wins, then that's it. You got to win the division. If, if, if Pittsburgh wins that 430 game on Saturday by 8 o'clock – and you think the Steelers are going to beat the Ravens? Yes. I'm torn. 
Yeah, I mean, remember t- last year they didn't play Lamar and they beat him anyway, right? Yeah, Tyler Huntley is not a terrible quarterback. He's not terrible. So it could go either way. Yeah, I, I'm I'm tw- I, I'm not convinced. I think the Ravens are really good, and I don't think the Ravens want to limp into the playoffs uh, with all this momentum they've created. You can say this game doesn't matter, but every game kind of matters. They kind of matter. So, I mean, I don't blame them. I wouldn't play Lamar and their star guys. I, I, so, I think they're playing it the right way. I'm not, And I'm still not sure the Steelers are very good. They're better with Mason Rudolph than they were with uh, Trubisky. George Pickens has really come to life. And he's starting to play with well. With Rudolph in the lineup. But if the, but if the Steelers win the game, then, there's, then, the only, then you'll know by 8 o'clock Saturday night that the only path into the playoffs is to win the division. That will be the only path if the Steelers win the game. And I have a feeling Doug's told his players don't even watch the game on well, Saturday because it doesn't matter because you have to win on Sunday no well, matter what. You know, it's clear he's told them, Lauren, don't focus on it. Correct. Whether you watch it or not, but don't, but don't, don't count on it. Don't because you have to. You win and end. Look, you're win and end's great. Uh, who doesn't want to be in a position where you win and you're in? So I think it's a great. I think it's a great setting for him. A great position to be. In. Well, and again, in winning a division title is something that this market is not going to take for granted. It just hasn't happened very often, and so. I, they are competing for something that automatically makes this team a special team in, in this franchise's existence, no matter what happens in the playoffs. If this team wins a division title, uh, it instantly becomes one of the better teams that this organization has ever fielded. I mean, that's important. And, and so they have all the motivation in the world. Uh, you know, they don't need to, to break the, the, the wild card scenarios down. They just have to go beat a bad team. And, you know, I, if they can't do that, they don't deserve to be in. Uh, and, and it will be – they're not going to lose this game, and we're going to say, man, the Jaguars played pretty well. It's just, boy, the Titans were good today. That's not going to happen. The only way the Jaguars are going to lose on Sunday is if they implode. It is, that's what it's going to take. Uh, and I just don't think that – I mean, again, that can happen to any team, I suppose – but I think this team is is wired the right way that that is not going to happen. And I and again, <laughs> they've lost four or five. I mean, it's not like they're patting themselves on the back. They they've had a struggle here lately. But so use that. And I think they they are. I mean, I think you use that to your advantage. Everybody's humbled. Everybody still absolutely has that taste in their mouths of you know what it was like to lose four consecutive games. I think they're still livid. Uh, about how their recent play has gone. I think they have a lot to prove. I think they're in an excellent mental state to go to Nashville and win the game. And you know, I don't think the elements will be a big factor. So, you know, I, there's to me, there's no excuse for the Jaguars not going and winning the game. I think they're going to win it convincingly, but, I, but there's no reason to walk off that field uh, with fewer points than the Tennessee Titans. I think last year's December game gives me also a lot of confidence. Frank, you were saying how you're, you've been scarred like all Jaguars fans about playing in Nashville. But last year the Jaguars dominated that game and, and kind of ran away with it in the second half. And so I think that makes you feel a little bit better that this team has been to Nashville with these leaders and they know what it's like to win there. Yeah, and to that end, that was kind of when Tre- Trevor kind of took off. That was the game he did. So we'll talk a little bit about that. What to expect from the Jag. That'll how we start the program. What to expect from Christian Kirk. What to, if he plays? What to expect from Trevor if he plays? How will the Jags play the game? What will they try and do? We'll certainly talk about that today uh, coming up. Uh, I want to talk about the future of bowl games. Now that we have a playoff, now, now that we now know there's 12 teams in, what becomes of the bowls? What becomes of opt-outs? i got a theory or two about that, so I want to get to that coming up on the program. College basketball starts this week. Have you heard? 
Yes. Kentucky comes calling. <laughs> I have. Yeah. You mean the Gators aren't 10 no. and 3? <laughs> They're 0 and 0? But here, here, college basketball starts this week. That's weird because I thought it was on last night. Yeah, no, it starts this week. Well, this, this, that's the last news bulletin. Oh, okay. Last night is this week. That's true. <laughs> okay, so it starts this week. I don't week. know what day it is. It starts this week. I mean, it starts this week. It's and a big so, one right out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, so, but I mean, FSU's playing a conference game last night. Well, Miami's yeah, but they're terrible. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, FSU, I don't know what's happened. Right. They are. Terrible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was looking at the uh, – they don't call it RPI anymore, but whatever, the, the net rankings. I mean, they're like 144th last I checked. And when you look at the breakdown of how that goes, I mean, it's abysmal. I think they're Owen. hang on a second, I'll find it. Because they may not even be – I may be giving them too much credit <laughs> here. They may be worse than what I'm well, actually you look saying. For that. But, but they I, won last night against George, Georgia so Tech. Yeah, I turned that game on. Did you watch any of it? A little bit. How many fans did you count in this game? Yeah, it was really bad. So, I mean, that's opening conference play. I know, I know it was really bad. So they did win last night. So yeah, they moved they up nine Georgia spots. Tech, yeah. yeah, but they're 131st in the net. They're seven and six overall, and uh, I mean, it's they're four and zero in quad four games, which mm-hmm. are basically your cupcake pay games. So if you take those away, they're three and six against teams that have a remote pulse. Uh, so I, I don't know how, you know how yeah, uh, yeah, how yeah. intriguing it the, the like Noel season. It doesn't look be. like they're very good, but we'll see yeah. how they play. But they, but they started with a conference win last night. Miami and Clemson, two very good teams, got after it last night. Miami won that game against Clemson. Sixteenth ranked Clemson at the time. Sixteenth Clemson came in ranked, and then Florida plays Kentucky. So college basketball is off and running for UNFJU as well as uh, the bigger conference teams. We'll talk about that. I do want to talk about the Pro Bowl snubs. I got some theories about that, so we'll get to that. So we got a lot of stuff here uh, to do. We're here till four o'clock. Glad you're with us, Frangie, Carlion, Brooks, and R.J. Saunders. This is ten ten. Oh, and it's an old Rock Thursday. Oh, that's that right. That we came up with. Yeah, all, not by ourselves. That's right. We had, we, had good, some, we had some help. Had a good buddy helping we us. We had a buddy help. So that's all that coming up in a bit. It's ten ten. It's ninety two point five FM. The Frangie Show live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on ten ten XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. We're having lunch with our buddy Brad Johnson earlier today. Hayes and I were. Yeah. I said, you know what? I gotta come up with an old rock Thursday band. He goes, Little River Band. Yeah, he I mean, did. I mean, he didn't bat an eye. Little River Band. Yeah, he was so ready. He said, if it didn't bat an eye, no. He said, you know what? When someone's that assertive, that committed, that convicted, case closed. Case closed. So Little River Band. I think we probably did them not long ago. I feel like it's been a couple of years now. Maybe it has. But the Little River Band today on old rock. I love Little River Band. Who does? Okay. Great choice. You know, from they're from down under. You know. Really? I mean, that's do they punt? The Australia that seems to be a thing. They you know? sing, play, and punt. <laughs> I'm just telling you. We got we so just know you have had punters, Little River Band, and Margot Robbie all mentioned yeah. in the same two days. It's pretty, pretty good. Pretty good weeks. What that is? Yeah. Yeah, that's an underrated continent. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> is it? I may have to move up on my power rankings for continents. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you, you, you probably you had them in your top seven, I know. Yeah, I did. Okay, so but uh, so there's that. So, um, we'll, uh, 
Little don't River think Bandit. I've ever heard anyone say that's an underrated concept. Yeah, yeah, so now you got it. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Yeah, that, that is what you're here for. Uh, so a Little River Band today on Old Rock Thursday. Glad you're with us on a Stanley Pools Thursday. Frangie and Carline uh, Brooks and um, R.J. Saunders with you today on the uh, program. The uh, Jags today, or the Jags on Sunday, played a Tennessee Titans team. They have the better team. Christian Kirk, we hope, is back. Trevor Lawrence, we hope, is back. I do think Zay Jones will be back. I'm more confident. I'm confident all three are going to play, but I'm more confident Zay's going to play. They'll announce that. They have not announced, by the way. And so that's I'm, huge, too. Yeah, it is huge. And, I mean, and I, in, in fairness to the team, I don't think they're holding out. I don't think they know. Right. These, these guys are – I don't think well, they know. particularly with Zay. It's yeah. been you know, right. so up and down, This unfortunately more down than up with yeah. his medical. Yeah, I don't think they're holding out on anybody. I, I think they just don't know. But assuming those guys play – what are your expectations, game plan? What do you think you're going to see? What, 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 how's the game going to look, uh, assuming weather and, and other um, yeah. things don't affect it? So much of it to me is I'm assuming Trevor plays, and what are his limitations? Uh, if, uh, if he isn't overly limited, I'd like to see a shot early. Now, there, I, I do think it's going to be a, a run. I think they found something with the run game against Carolina, and they owe it to themselves to see if that can continue since it's been a struggle all year. So the run is obviously going to be an important component. But if I'm Mike Vrabel, I mean, they'll, they'll watch. Tennessee will watch Trevor in pregame warm-ups, sharp as Hawks. I mean, you always do. But even for this, it'll be even more so because you're really going to want to see how much is it a normal workout for Trevor? Is it obvious that he's laboring to throw it deep? I, so it's going to affect how Tennessee plays it. But if he is without limitation, you know, I would like to see a shot early because I think Tennessee is going to play up thinking, well, he may only be able to, he may not be overly comfortable throwing it deep. So take advantage of that if Tennessee is going to give you that. Now, Vrabel's a smart guy and they may see enough in warmups to be like, mm, we're not going to, we're not going to allow that. But it's got to start with ETN. He's got to be motivated from the Pro Bowl snub. He, he put that up out on social last night. So, you know, obviously he is coming off a, a big-time game. Uh, I think the offensive line is probably going to be the healthiest that it's been uh, all year. And so, you know, it's got to start with the ground game to protect Trevor. But I would like to see if, he, if he's more 85% than 70%, and, and those Titan safeties are thinking he's not going to throw it deep, I'd like to see one to Ridley over the top. You may not hit it, but show it to them early so that they've got to respect that it's there. Well, and in the first matchup between these two teams, and this is when the Titan secondary was at least a little bit better, Calvin Ridley had a really good game. He had, uh, I want to say, almost a little over 100 yards. He had seven catches for 103 yards. So Calvin Ridley is a guy that knows what to do against this Titan secondary, and now they're even more beat up. So, yeah, I agree with you. Go deep to him. But I think the, kind of the same game plan they had last week. Play clean football, so don't turn the ball over. Be patient. If you're only getting field goals with some trips to the red zone, that's fine because I don't think Tennessee's going to put up more than probably 17 points. So just and stay patient with the run game. I think that's also crucial. Yeah, I would think you're going to see that. I would think you're going to see them run the football. I think you're going to see – Look, even if Trevor plays, you got to wonder if he's going to play sore a little bit. You know, he 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 had the shoulder. That's they're not faking that. He's had a bum shoulder, and you know, so and he uh, has got the left finger too. Yeah, that's all taped up. Right, right. So, uh, good point. But I mean, I think throwing the football is where the shoulder affects you. So yeah, I would I would think you're going to see you're going to run the football. I, I'm going to think you'd almost treat it a little bit like last week's game. Get a little like to your point, 
get a little bit of a lead, and uh, and then and then play good defense and take care of the football, man. One penalty last week, and it was a garbage penalty. It was the the bad horse collar. The horse collar that he let go right away. Yeah. He so, never even really got it. No, no. he didn't yes. look like so. So I think that was a bad call, and uh, they didn't turn the ball over. And I think that listen. It's a good time to be back on your game, and I think that's kind of where they are. So, uh, so I think, yeah. So, uh, so truly, um, I, I, I like where they are. The Jaguars in the first meeting led twenty-seven nothing. Right, right. So, so they played very well against them. By the way, I don't want to see. I know Trevor Eti- Travis Etienne, not Trevor Etienne, had the goal line almost fumble that then they reversed, and it's like, okay, well, normally that's Trevor who does the extension. I don't want to see that this game with that shoulder. Yeah. And obviously, he usually uses his right hand. The um. What do you expect from Christian Kirk? I'd like to think he can give him at least 30 snaps, uh, which I would think would be about 40% of the offensive uh, workload. So, I mean, I'd like to see him work back in at a minimum. And, uh, you know, if he plays 30 snaps, you're probably looking at five targets, three catches for 39 yards, uh, something like that. You know, move the chains a couple times. I mean, I don't think I'm expecting monster production, but his presence alone will really help Calvin Ridley and Ingram and, and, and Zay if he's out there. And I think it just helps Trevor's confidence. So, I, I mean, maybe I'll be surprised and he just plays and, and he's without limitation and he plays his normal 60 snaps. But, uh, but I wouldn't think crazy numbers for Christian, more his presence helping than, than the crazy numbers. And then next week against Cleveland, I think he owns them. Yeah, I would throw a ball to him early on. I'd get him. Uh, when you've had a guy out, I'd, I'd involve him in the – assuming he plays, I'd get him going. Because uh, the, the, sooner, the sooner you get a guy like that back, the sooner you get back to the rhythm of who you are. Who the Jags are is the offense goes through Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram. We've always known that. The sooner you get back to doing what you do, even if you don't do it the whole game, I think the better. I think uh, Calvin Ridley will be better with Zay Jones out there. I think, that, I think everybody's more comfortable. Everybody knows what they're doing. I'd involve them all. I, I'd probably – Again, you got to win the game. You don't win again if if the Steelers win on Saturday, the then it then then any possibility of the wild card for the Jags is over because the Steelers will have gotten to ten wins and the Jags would lose to be a wild card. The Jags would have to lose and would be at nine wins. So so any possibility of the wild card is over if the Steelers win that football game. Even if they lose the football game, you would still need the Broncos to lose the next day too, which is the, we said yesterday is the afternoon game. So. Against the Raiders, yeah. Yeah, so don't even don't even think about that. Just go win the game. But I would think you see people involved a lot. I think the other thing too is, I think the Jags defense, the defensive front has played better um, against a very bad offensive line. This is almost another one of those games that just don't mess it up. Now, look, any an NFL game is always hard to win. It's an NFL game, and it's really hard to win NFL road games. And it's really hard to win NFL road games against rivals. And it's really hard to win NFL road games against rivals who have had your number. All that is in play here. But it's not this, it is a team, I think, a Titans team that's in some dysfunction. It's a Titan. Look, at some point, everybody rebuilds. Everybody reloads. I said this the other day. The Patriots, look at them. The Chiefs hit a little bit of a lull. No matter how good you've been, at some point, everybody has to retool a little bit. Everybody. And that's where the Titans are. So, yeah, I, I think um, – there's reason for some confidence in this thing. Yeah, and, and again, I don't think there is a lot of scar tissue with the Jaguar players when it comes to the Titans. They I swept agree. them last year. Just they, me. Only he, me. Yeah, they, I mean, the whole fan base. I mean, obviously, you know, if you're a Jaguars fan, the Titans you know, have cost you more than probably any other team out there. 
Uh, so, I mean, that's perfectly understandable. But in terms of the guys that are going to be playing the game, I think the Jaguars look across the field and see a team they own. Swept them last year and, and destroyed them in the first meeting. So I don't think there's any mystique that this team has to cut through. I think you just go out there. And, you know, I, and, and the other thing, too, is you would worry when the Colts came in here a couple of years ago when they had to win to get in, they took the Jaguars lightly. It was clear, and they choked, and, and they weren't prepared to play. They had no intensity, no focus, and they just thought they'd roll the ball out and win. I don't get the sense that the Jaguars are going to take that mindset into this game. Again, I think this is where the four-game losing streak helps you because I think it's recentered right. your your players and it's it's you know it's it's brought them to a place of you know feeling like they they've been put in a corner and that they just haven't played well and and they've got a lot of pride. So I don't anticipate while I don't think there's any mystique I also don't think the Jaguars are going to view it as, oh, all we've got to do is just show up as long as the bus gets us there on time. You know, we're going to win the game. The, the Tennessee still does. I mean, if you're if you're a Jaguar defender, you're still looking at a future Hall of Fame running back in Derrick Derek Henry, and possibly a future Hall of Fame receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, there 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 are players on that side of the ball there that's going to get your attention. And uh, with it being a, a Mike Frable led defense, I I think the offense is is certainly going to have a healthy respect. So it's the perfect blend. I think it's a respect for the opponent, so you're not going to take them lightly. But there's, in, in no way, shape, or form, I think the Jaguars feel like the Titans have their number in the least. The um, Titans are 5-11. and 11. They've lost seven of their last nine. They've lost three in a row and four of their last five. In the last five, ever since November – the only win they have is a very inexplicable 28-27 win on the road against the Dolphins. Who choked. Yeah, who, who choked the game away. Yeah. That's the only win. They had a big lead and they choked it. Yeah, that's the, only, that's the only win they have. It's really a struggling football team. Last week I had a hunch they would play better. I just had this gut. and I, The gut was way off. They played lousy. But I had a gut they would play better against the Texans and they got blown out 26-3. Uh, to So it's a reeling team. I'm not sure which quarterback plays. You got one quarterback who's a rookie who's trying to find his way and hasn't found it. You got one veteran who's playing his last game in a Titans uniform. And to your point, Hayes has pretty much said he doesn't trust his teammates. So um, you got Derrick Henry who's still running great. He's got a thousand yards behind a miserable line, but he's still not the Derrick Henry of three or four years ago. And the line isn't very good. The defense is just okay. Uh, everything points to a game the Jags should win unless they mess it up. So we'll see if it winds up happening. We'll take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about college bowls. What should happen with the bowl system? That's next. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. It's missing. It's the time that I spend alone, sailing on the cool and bright clear water. Al on Twitter says thumbs up to Little River Band. Also wanted to talk a little bit about the Jets. Little River Band. Love Al. Absolutely. Frank Frangie Hayes, Caroline, RJ Saunders, I'm Lauren Brooks. It is Little River Band on this Old Rock Thursday. We're gonna give it to. The college bowl games that are not a part of next year's 12-team playoff. 
Frank, I'm not sure that they're going to be necessarily well attended, but as far as television revenue, it seems like the TV companies and networks are very happy with the way the bowl system is going. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they, they sell these gigantic packages, uh, ESPN does, and everyone makes a lot of money. Um, what would you do? If you were in charge of the bowl system, what would you do differently than, than going around? Oh, you guys go first. Would you do anything? Would you change anything? Which you, bowl? Would, any of them. Would you keep conference Matt, would you keep conference affiliations? Would yeah, I mean the, the proximity is key. Okay. So I, I would absolutely want to have a, a geographical tie. Okay. Uh in, in in as many bolts as you could do uh logistically. Right. Um I mean, other than that, I, I I think I don't think you're gonna see a big drop off. People love watching football around the holidays, so you know, a lot of people are off that week. So I I think I don't think there's anything you can do about the opt-outs. You can't ask the Gator Bowl or the, you know, whatever the Outback Bowl is called now. And uh, you can't ask those bowls to pay, you know, in my opinion, players to play. It's just they're not going to be able to pay enough to make it worth the players' while if they're going to be a a top 50 pick in the draft or, uh, you know, or even maybe in the first three rounds. So I think you live with that. And, uh, you know, you just try and get two teams that are close to your bowl site. And – Embrace the fact that these games now are going to be kind of a mix of regular end of season, postseason matchup and kind of halfway uh, early spring game. Can I steal the NIT and put it in college football and say, here's the 12 team playoff for the national championship? Here's the 12 team playoff for whatever you want to call that trophy. And the winner, the team that wins that does win a share of money and a great trips to wherever they a, got a to tournament, go. A tournament with advancement. Yeah, I mean, that I ran through my mind. It's kind of silly to no. think that anyone would want to compete for the second tier, but I do think you might have a few players who normally would have opted out if it's just a bowl game, if they are competing for something. But again, the prize at the end of the rainbow has to be worth their while. I think reducing. I think there's something there. I think reducing the amount of bowls overall would certainly help the ones that are still in existence. If we yeah. got rid of the ones that start on December 16th and got rid of two weeks of bowls, then I do think you're going to have more eyeballs and more people attending and interested on, in the bowls if there are fewer of them. All right, I got a couple thoughts, and I think you're, there's something there. Number one, I I would try and come up with some. I mean, if for a major for a for a major bowl that's not one of the tw- one of the Big Twelve. Or one of the super six, six yeah. one of the one of the New Year's six. It would cost one point seven million dollars per bowl. One point seven. ESPN's making hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars on this. It would cost one point seven million dollars per bowl for ESPN to pay every player that plays ten thousand dollars. Assuming assuming it's your eighty five scholarship guys, walk ons I can't help you, but the eighty five scholarship guys that play in the game, it would cost one point seven million dollars. To pay both teams, to play all to pay all 170 guys. Okay, so that that's I would try and do that. I would I would I mean 1.7 million per bowl from ESPN, I think is doable. I right? and you got to do so. Secondly, I thought about what you said, Lauren. I probably wouldn't go there because if it's exhibitions, how many do you want to play? But the fact of having a tournament now, you know who would love that? Young teams that have all their young guys playing. What what great training for next year? to play two or three extra games. So I would think about that. I would also allow, stay with me on this, transfer it in guys to play. I would allow DJ Uyunglele to play for FSU if if that was the case. I, I would allow that. and but I, but I would certainly think about that. But here's the biggie. 
teams make money. The reason they have these bowls for the teams is the, the schools make a lot of money by playing in the game. You get paid to play in the game, and it goes into your budget. So you budget for that pay you're going to get. Florida didn't get that pay this year because they didn't play in one. You would have to commit to no more than X opt-outs if you play in the game. You cannot accept the bid to the Citrus Bowl if you have more than 10 players opt-out or eight or whatever the number is. Cannot take the bid. And that would be defined by guys on your top 50 or 60 players, whatever it is. If they're true opt-outs, you can't accept the bid. So the teams that go to these bowl games want to be in them. That, I think, is the big thing. You cannot accept the bid unless you guarantee that you're not going to have more than X opt-out. So if you're paying the players, that, if you're finding a way to pay, and, and, and maybe the Independence Bowl can't pay 10000 a player, but I don't sense that the Independence Bowl has a, and the Boca Raton Bowl has a lot of opt-outs because I don't think the, the teams they get have guys opting out. It's the bigger bowls. So if you're able to pay players $10,000 to, to be in the game, you're going to re- – even for this – now look, to your point, Hayes, you're not going to get the first-round guys to play because of that. But you're going to get – you're going of those 20 that didn't play for FSU, some are going to play. All right? So for me, pay players 10000 or whatever the number is. It costs ESPN an extra $1.7 million a game. I don't know what ESPN makes a game – but I'm guessing it's way more than that. And it's done for the good of the sport. If you're really in it for the good of the sport, then, then write the check. Secondly, tell a team you cannot accept the bid. You cannot accept the bid if you have more than whatever the number. And I haven't come up with a number. Seven? Seven opt-outs? You can't play. Let somebody, let another team that's dying to play in the game that wouldn't have the opt-outs, let them play in the game. Yeah, I think then you're going to have – you know, the student athletes who don't want to play being kind of coerced by the coach or the administration who is being told by the president, we need this money in the athletic department, and they're saying, I don't don't really want to play. So You should be coerced to play. That would make for interesting conversations is all I'm saying. Uh, And maybe they slide those players that are thinking about opting out money, and maybe maybe not every player gets money, but the players that are thinking about the NFL draft. The tricky part about allowing the new transfers in is they don't really – either graduate or get done with school at their current school until probably the end towards the end of December. And that's about when the bowl. Yeah, games and that are. one's clunkier. I understand yeah. that. But I'm trying and, and that But I get your point. Like let anybody play who wants to play. But that almost is more in, in concert with your idea of, of having a tournament, having a playoff system. Um but football's harder for that. That's why it's they don't do it. But now. the main thing, Hayes, for me is look, if half your team wants to opt out, that's okay. I I'll, I'll say this again. I'm not faulting the player who opts out. I saw that Mike Mike Farrell, is that the recruiting guy? I think he's the one that said, did you see his tweet? Mm-mm. He said, okay, here's the answer to the opt-outs. If you opt out, pay back your scholarship and blah, 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 because you, you're on scholarship to play football. And if you decide not to play football, you shouldn't get your scholarship money. Well, that's a little extreme. I don't think that's realistic. But I do think if your team has so many opt-outs, you can't play in the game. You just say, let, 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 it, let me pass that bid on to a team who's more excited about playing. Like it or not. Well, I think it, it punishes kids that want to play, but because some of their teammates didn't, now they it don't does. get to play in the game. And, um, and, or, or it cajoles those ones who are going to opt out not to opt out so they don't punish, don't get punished. Yeah, but I think the opt-out guys, I think they're opting out. I, yeah. I think they're I looking you. after number one there. So I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of right. peer pressure that they're going to succumb to. 
um, and play if they if they don't want to play. I mean, this is what I like about the discussion is your passion for this. Yeah. Because I got to be honest. I mean, I'll always love the Gator Bowl. Yeah. But I mean, once we get to the twelve team playoff, I I don't. I mean, yeah. I, I'm I, I'm fine with the system as is. You know, if 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 players want to play in those bowls, play in them. If you don't, you don't. I'll watch the ones that you know intrigue me. Um, you know, I so you know I I don't view it as we have to save this part of the sport. I think it's just a you know a side effect of of the bigger picture. I I think getting to the the twelve team playoff solves the biggest issue, which is players opting out of quote elite bowls because now you're you know now you're talking about if number 14 is playing number 19 and 40 players opt out. Okay. Well, you know, I think that on a scale of one to 10, I think that's a pretty insignificant problem in sports. Um, so, I mean, I, but I like the fact that you're trying to solve it. Yeah. Um, well, like Kirby, I think Kirby smart is one of those prominent coaches of the sport. Well, Kirby's argument is solved by yeah. the 12 team playoff because yeah. Kirby's argument is it's the elite teams yeah. that, I mean, yeah, like, but, but I mean, but, but he still went up to, even knowing the 12 team was coming, he still pounded the pulpit about it. That's my point. You know what I mean, Hayes? I mean, even though he knew it was coming, he still said, wait a minute, we got we to gotta figure out what we want. Well, he knows the 12 is already here. So he had to be speaking about something other than that, didn't he? I don't know because I can't imagine Kirby is, A, going to miss the playoff anytime soon. And, you know, I, again, I, I think it's I think Kirby was trying to be gracious in, in winning by 60 by saying – you know, some truth to that. look, it's FSU really, you know, got a, a bad deal here. Yeah. And I, I think if if the 12 team wasn't coming online or wasn't a wasn't agreed upon or was still 10 years away, they'd have a serious problem that they would have to fix. But I think this was a really unfortunate bowl season for a lot of reasons. Uh, but the good news is, I think the 12 team format next year solves 95% of the problems. Yeah, it, other than the bowls like you're talking about, whether it's the Gator Bowl or these other bowls that are just underneath that top elite college football playoff tier. I think, Frank, the, the point of all of it is the atmosphere that we got in the two college football playoff games, that's what you want in every bowl game as a viewer, as a, as a someone, as a fan going to the bowl game. But you can't create that unless there's something that is a national championship trophy that you're playing for, and there's no other scenario that we can create that. Does that make sense? It does, it, and I get all of that. But I'm gonna. But and Hayes, I appreciate your comments. But I am passionate about. It. I'm passionate about college football. I'm passionate about the sport I've watched my whole life. I, I and I think we can't have any more sixty-three to threes in the Orange Bowl. That, that that's messed up, and it, and it, it just is. And I and well, I you won't. Yeah, you might have sixty-three to three in the Gator Bowl. Correct, yeah. correct. I, you're you're right, but 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 uh, but I'll go back to it. I think somehow, some way, we've got to figure out a way that if you don't want to play, again, I, and and by the way, if a team has twelve opt-outs and then that te- then the the other guys get penalized, too bad, too bad. I, I think ultimately the culture does change a little bit. I, I I do believe that. I think ultimately, if it look the reason the opt hey we've had we've had bowl games forever. We've had the draft forever, but nobody opted out. Yeah, there's Op- been like two athletes ever that have gotten right. hurt right. in a bowl right. game. Right. I mean, there's more than that, but it's, it's, I can count them on one hand but the in the last at, 25 right. years. But the opting out's a new thing. 
There, there, right. there was not opt-outs 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. People went and played in their bowl game. Wasn't Leonard Fournette one of the yeah, first ones? Yeah, and McCaffrey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and Christian yeah, McCaffrey. Yeah. But, but virtually nobody opted out. Okay, the opting out is the new thing. Well, then, then again, if you, ch- if you put in the rules I'm talking about, pay the players to play, that's A. Make a team have only a few opt-outs or they don't get to play. Eventually, the culture does change. And eventually, players start feeling guilty about the opt-outs. Look, don't opt out and tell your coach, coach, play me five plays and get me out of there. That still doesn't – that's still better than this belief of the, this opt-out system. I, I could live with that, you know. Don't opt out. Coach, coach, play me – let me get let – me, let me run four or five down and outs and then, I'm, then take me out and let I, the young guy play. I can live with that. I, I will say this, and I don't have a list or anything in front of me, but it doesn't feel like in the, in the non – uh, New Year's Six Bowls, it doesn't feel like there were a lot of opt-outs. Like, how many opt-outs did Clemson and Kentucky have? Very few. No, yeah. I, I can't think of any. And, and I th- Like, Joe Milton is a big one for Tennessee. Yeah. It was quarterbacks, so mainly. Jaden Daniels for LSU. But Hayes' point yeah. is there but weren't yeah. So that's two guys. Yeah. Right. I mean, there so there I don't know that there's a team that played in a bowl game and, like that and, and, that and had, may- like, 20 guys opt out. And maybe the Orange Bowl is just so present in my mind. Yeah, that I'm that I'm overthinking it. You, you, I hear you. I hear you. But I, but regardless, these rules would make it even fewer. I mean, these rules would. What would happen? I think if you put these rules in place, particularly the ten thousand dollar rule, I do think no matter how now if you're if you're on your way to being a great player, player, it's different. But anybody else gets handed that ten thousand dollar check, it's a pretty good little check. It's a pretty good little check for most college kids. Here's your check for showing up. Yeah. It's more than the warm-up suit and the watch you get about playing in the Independence Bowl or whatever. So Yeah, I, I think the opt-outs are the ones that have already been paid six figures in sure, most cases. Sure. So for them the $10,000 And a lot of the opt-outs are transfer guys by the way. The opt-outs aren't all, the opt-outs aren't all um uh draft guys. A lot of the opt-outs are guys are leaving, you know. I mean, Luke Luke uh, uh Tate Rodemaker isn't going to the draft. He opted out cuz he won't play for FSU anymore. Well, you know, by the way, that that decision surprised me. Why wouldn't Tate Rodemaker, even though he knows FSU is going after a portal guy and he's not going to be the quarterback, why wouldn't you play in that game? Everybody knows you weren't going to win the game, so you're not. Gonna, so bad plays weren't going to be held against you because everyone knows you're playing this great team. And you don't have a lot of great players around you. Put three or four good throws on tape. What do you got to lose? And maybe you're a better player because you've played against. Why would Tate Rodemaker not? He was he was going to be the starting quarterback. Why not go play in the game? I think it's a bad decision. You know, I mean, I mean, assuming he was healed from the yeah, concussion, and, and good point. Maybe he was, but let's just. But I think he was. I think he was. Why, why not go play? In the his game? feelings were hurt. Yeah, he wanted to yeah. say, you know, I I'm not gonna put my life on the line or my football yeah, career on the yeah. line for a, a coach that doesn't believe in me. And oh, by the way, I don't don't get to throw to Keon Coleman and yeah. Johnny Wilson. I don't have that great offensive. And that was line probably part of. Me. And that was part of Hand it. And the ball off to Trey Benson, all the guys that he had gotten to play with before. And yeah, and and, and maybe he just didn't want to get clobbered. You know, because you were going to get clobbered in that game. Right. But, he he's wants to be a healthy guy yeah. in the transfer yeah. portal. Yeah, and, and all that makes sense. But I don't. It just, it just seems to me, I'll say it again as I wrap the segment, I would come up with a check, a paycheck for players that play in those games, which would encourage more players to do it. And I do think there's some opt-out guys that know if I opt out, my team doesn't get to go. And if my team doesn't get to go, my roommate doesn't get the $10,000 check. My roommate who's, who's out of football after this. It would affect a player or two. And it would change the culture. Col- culture and what people decide to do is so big. You know, what, what, culture matters because it's what people think. It's what people do. It's how people act. And it would change how people in college football act. I, I just think so. So we'll see. We'll see. If it, we'll, by the way, none of that's going to happen. 
They're not going to write it. ESPN's not going to write that $1.7 million check, and they're not going to come up with a rule. So all my ideas are going to pot, which, which if I was the but commissioner. But I like the effort. Yeah, if was, and if I was the commissioner of college football, as we both agreed, yeah. as you as my campaign manager. You would get it fixed. I, I would fix that tomorrow. Yeah. In other words, you didn't opt out of the segment. No, no I, would, I would stay in this. I'm not opting out. Yeah. I did. I opted out. <laughs> He's opted out. Uh, when we come back, there's a lot more to do. One hour to go. I want to talk about Pro Bowl snubs. I got a theory about that. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Have you heard about the lonesome loser? It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. He's a loser, but he still keeps on trying. Let me ask you, y'all know? During all our Loser Mondays, when Lauren wore that hat so lovely, did you know that this was that, that was Little River Band the whole time? I did. did I wasn't know? the only one who wore the hat. I did not until you way. guys. Uh, yeah, but I like it, to point out you wear the hat. Yeah. Oh, okay. Until the, uh, you guys, yeah, until you guys mentioned it, I didn't. Yeah, it was the Little River Band. I, I didn't. I said, I wonder if they even know that that's the Little River Band. So, um, so yeah, this because our our listeners from Loser Monday fame will remember this this song more than you know. Remember I still get like goosebumps when I hear that song. <laughs> I mean, I'm too. scarred. I'm very scarred. I do too. Apparently, because I would have had so lovely. <laughs> the uh, second hour of the show coming up. Yeah, we. I miss Loser Monday, by the way. I do too. I miss Loser I don't. Monday. You know, I miss. I think yeah. I lost so I, often, and y'all had so much fun making fun of me when I lost that I. I, I, I don't miss. It. I miss the most the two Clemson stickers right there. Oh, that was. And uh, I'm not saying I was proud of Donna, but I mean we hired her because of that. So so the. Uh, we, in fact, I didn't even make that point when DJ Uyunglele signed with FSU. I said he was, he and Drake May both came through for us. That's right. Uh, didn't they both throw a zero that game? I yeah, because well, Uyunglele got think, benched. Well, see, see yeah. Clay so Clubnik came in. Yeah, but you right. had you had DJ. You had DJ. Is, is, is what I think I've it clearly was. blacked yeah. all of that out. Yeah. Blocked all of it out, blacked it out, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Like I said, um, I've been made fun of plenty for Loser Monday, so <laughs> I don't miss it whatsoever. You didn't even like that choice of a song. You could, couldn't. They, they, there should have been another song from Loser I mean, Monday. I understand why you had to play it. It's I fine. think Gibby got lucky. You know, we I guess because the season was sort of incomplete. <laughs> he, was gonna, but right, right. he looked like he was headed towards wearing We had to drag him in here and put the hat on him <laughs> just, just for kicks. So, um, hey, you know, I don't, I don't. I don't think the Pro Bowl is what it once was. I uh, nobody cares about the game. It's the Pro Bowl games now, which is I, I think is kind of silly. Yeah, there's a flag football game. Yeah, the whole thing's silly to me. Um, but I understand with the you can't play a full contact game and guys, guys getting hurt. I understand the whole bit. This is even better than than the the game they played that really wasn't a game. That was sixty five sixty because no one really tried. But. And so I don't get caught up in who's in and who's not in very often. And Foye Aluakin belongs in. Uh, you'll never convince me the guy that's about to win his third straight tackling title doesn't belong in the Pro Bowl. That is a just sham. And so it bugs me. But, boy, the Ingram one really bugs me, too. I, Evan Ingram, what he's been through, almost gave up football or certainly thought about it, came here, really has carried this offense when they couldn't run very much this year because the line wasn't blocking and ETM was beat up a little bit. Trevor was going through all kind of problems, health problems, health injuries. Zay Jones was down. Christian Kirk was down. Ridley's been just okay. He's good at times, and, and he's doing okay. But he's not been, he's not been, he wasn't headed to that 1,400-yard season. I think Evan Ingram's carried the team. I think he certainly carried the offense. And, I mean, he's only the eighth receiver in NFL, eighth tight end in NFL history to have a 100-catch season. 
I can't fathom that he's not a pro bowler. I just can't fathom that he's not a pro bowler. I can't either, but I will say the lack of touchdowns, people look at stats. That's part of it. I agree. But the, to the larger point of everything you just said, Hayes, people don't, people don't watch Jaguars football close enough to know that all those guys were hurt so that Trevor really only has Ingram or this past week C.J. Beathard really only had Ingram. They only know stats, and that's all they look at. Well, and there's only two guys. I mean, that's the other part. It's not like there's you know four know. players yeah. going. It's Travis Kelsey who – will still make the Pro Bowl when he's 59 years yeah. old. I'm so over him. And, uh, and he's and, a great player. And though. Joku, who's done a nice job in Cleveland. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Played really well against the Jaguars. And so, people love that story with Joe Flacco. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it is it's unfortunate. In a sense, if there's a silver lining, it gives Fred Taylor even more ammunition because mm-hmm. it's, it's just another reminder of it, this is just such a, a unimportant in terms of how it's done. It's just not a real reflection. It is a uh, legacy award. Uh, a lot of these guys that are on it, I mean, some have missed chunks of the season. And, you know, they've still made the Pro Bowl because they've been great players throughout their career. And uh, so it's, it's, it's a very flawed system. Uh, Evan Ingram absolutely deserves to be a Pro Bowler. Uh, you know, as, as do all the, the Jaguar alternates. And, uh, you know, and, and so it's it's unfortunately it's part of it. Certainly playing in, in Jacksonville, I do think that hurts. I think it it hurt 25 years ago and I think it still hurts today, uh, it, you know, because the fans are a big component of this process. So it's, uh, you know, it, it, if there's any good that comes of it, it'll give these guys a, a chip on their shoulder uh, that, that certainly could help Sunday. We know uh, ETN has already been very outspoken about taking it personally and you know that's great to see. So you know maybe it works out for the for the Jaguars in the end. And again, you know if if you're going to come at Fred Taylor with the lack of Pro Bowls, mm-hmm. this year's selection is a Exhibit A on many fronts. I mean, Anton Winfield doesn't make the Pro Bowl. I mean, he's in the running for Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, it's just it's it's idiocy. So it's I mean, that's yeah, I don't, I don't know how anybody could use <laughs> and this. What is the breakdown? How, it's, I think the fans get a third of it. Yeah. Okay. The uh, baseball's like that too. Here's the reality, and 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 by the way, feel free to attack me on X or the text line or whatever, and be mad at me as you want because I know fans are listening. Fans shouldn't vote. Fans should not vote for the baseball All Star Game, the NBA All Star Game, the NHL All Star Game, or the Pro Bowl. Fans should not have a vote. I know it's the fans' game. There's no game without the fans. I love the fans. And I'm not saying I, I should get a vote either. But I'm saying there should be a committee of people that that is their job. Say what you want about the Hall of Fame committees, but they do their best to put together a committee of people who are trained to follow that and trained to get it right. And fans are not trained to get it right, and they should not be freaking voting. You agree or disagree with that? Well, yeah. I mean, because it's, it's just going to lend itself to popularity. a popularity contest, and fans are going to vote. And I understand it. And I'm they're not faulting gonna, fans. You know, I love look, fans. If you but see, they shouldn't vote on this. If you see Jalen Ramsey on a list, you're going to be tempted. And this isn't a Jaguars thing. Sure. I'm just using him because he's missed a good portion of Miami's season. Mm-hmm. Now he's played well, but should you know should you make a Pro Bowl when you've missed such a large chunk of time? And but you know fans are going to see Jalen Ramsey and say, oh, he's a Pro Bowler. And I'm not disagreeing. He is a Pro Bowl talent. But the Pro Bowl is supposed to be the reward for what you've done this season. And that's why it, it frankly, it's, it, they get it wrong a lot of times. I mean, you know, so it's, 
I don't really mind that the fans vote in this. You know, we also have the all pro team, right. which is really the litmus test for greatness in the NFL. Uh, you know, but I, I just don't like it when the pro bowl is used as uh, something to either lift up a player or in like Fred Taylor's case, use it against them when we know how flawed it is, is a measurement for football greatness. And I think a lot of fans that are voting are fantasy football players. So obviously they're going to vote for their team's players, but then they're also going to vote for the guy that helped yeah. win them the fantasy championship, and that is is fine. But if you're going to allow fans to vote, you have to understand that that's stats only. You know what? I I, I don't play fantasy football, so I never thought about that. But that's probably right, isn't it? That, that, oh, that, absolutely. Because right, they know yeah. they know how many touchdowns. Yeah. Sam Laporter has scored and again. He's a great tight end, but they know but it, Joku. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. that. So, but anyway, I just I just fans shouldn't vote. And Evan Ingram, and, I, and I'm sorry, Najoku, uh, Evan Ingram should be in the game. It, it really, it really, it really, he has carried this offense. You talk about a, a warrior, man. I mean, with everybody else down around him, 17 showed up every game. How many big catches over the course of these, these first 16 games of this season? How many times did that son of a gun move the sticks? How many, how many third and eights did he catch an 11 yard pass over the course in the middle? Of, can't you see it? In the middle of the field, in between the hashes, he's they throw it great. to Evan Ingram, and he and he makes fifteen on a third and nine. I mean, I mean, I, I I'm trying to think how many times I've called it, how many times I've called Evan Ingram moves the sticks, and I uh, and I think and again I think Foyer should be in too. By the way, I'm not, not I don't think Ingram more than Foyer. I think they both those are the two that should be. Uh, those are the two. I would love to see Etienne in. I'd love to see it, but I think Foyer and Ingram are the guys that absolutely unequivocally, undeniably should be in. So anyway, it bugged, it bugged me. Take a well, break. I think they'll get in. And then they'll, they'll play in the game. And then they'll they play won't in the play games. in the game because yeah. they're going to be in the Super Bowl. Right. <laughs> well said. I like it. I like your confidence. You got a little brashness to you today. I like that. Yeah, I think I'm little, trying. Little well, he's so bit. confident about his college football team that it's really bled into yeah, his yeah, that's well, football that's team. Yeah. Well said. I mean, <laughs> you get tired of winning when you're a Gator. <laughs> win, I win, 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 win. I can, I can still remember this. The uh, Skip Carey, um, the longtime voice of the Braves and the Hawks, there was one stretch where they were both so abysmally bad in the eighties. <laughs> and then one, then toward the end, like right to the end of the eighties, the Hawks won like four games in a row. <laughs> I can remember Skip going, win, 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 win. <laughs> All we ever did. Yep. We'll take a break. Uh, speaking of uh, Hayes's college team and ours, Pup Howard is going to the Gators. I want to learn more about him. Um, fantastic kid. We had him in here in studio before great personality. I think he was our Duval County scholar athlete of the week. One week. Um, I want to learn more about him and how he affects the Gators who can use a lot of help. Uh, that's next day with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. Thursday, Franzi Carlion, Brooks, and RJ Saunders. We'll do our picks, our last picks tomorrow. Look at you just sitting all atop the picks. <laughs> Running away from the taking a knee. You got you got walk-ons in the game now. I owe it all to the team. You got a walk-on. Team. You got like the uh, the transfer guy that didn't pan out that's gonna leave, but you're giving him a couple reps at the end. They're you know? chanting for Klatsky. <laughs> they want Klatsky. And I'm gonna give him some. <laughs> Oh, we've got uh, five, six more games to pick tomorrow. 
RJ did a RJ did a fantastic job of playing for second. I think. You agree? Oh yeah, absolutely. Listen, uh, I called off the dogs. We we gave it our best effort. I mean, you know, so we got a standing ovation from the crowd. Yeah. You know how the coach hugs his players when we know it's over. That's what we did. I'm rookie of the year. I came in this the first time in one second. I'm going for first next year. It was great. Yeah, you know how it works, RJ. There's like one winner and three losers. You know how that works, right? Second place means you're the first to lose. <laughs> first lose. I'll take that proudly. RJ was RJ was behind Hayes by five points. In three weeks in a row, picks all the same team. That was just one of the one of the greatest moments hey, in the sec- picks history. It, and it's why he's still in second. Because if he'd gone up opposite me, he'd have been right. one in five in a lot of those weeks, right, <laughs> RJ? Don't I know it? Absolutely. <laughs> also, Hayes. RJ might knows not have, a good pick. Yeah. Hayes might have slipped him some cold there, there hard had cash. Some cash involved. <laughs> Hayes trying for his first championship. So, so there. Well, congratulations, one. even though the season's not over and we're yeah, still picking games. Yeah. Tomorrow, I'm not congratulating you at all. I mean, I think well, thank a, you. it's an awful year, and he got lucky. Is what I think. Even though he. It's an honor and a privilege to compete. You came in so close to first last year, so it was your time. She's only saying that so she can remind everybody she won. That's what. Yeah. yeah. I didn't say anything about the fact that I won. All I said was that he was in second. Hey, hey! Congratulations on winning last year. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Somehow, some way, it didn't make the record books. Unlike everything else. I thought you winning. I thought Lauren (laughs) winning was up there with the 1980 U.S. Olympic team. Absolutely. Buster Douglas. Uh. Fair. Fair. Okay. So yeah. there you go. So there you go. Congratulations on the championship. You're saying it was that much of an upset. I'm it was an upset, but it was a good upset. Because girls should never win these things. Nah, did mm-hmm. I say anything about girls? Did I say that? Mm-hmm. No. I just said you should never win these things, not girls. Got it. So there's that. I'm just kidding. Listen. The um, Tell me about Pup Howard. He's 6'4", 240, and that looks like an edge player to me. But you think he might be an inside linebacker. For people that don't know, Pup Howard, the player from Jackson High here in town, Really good player, committed to and signed with South Carolina. We had him in as a Duval County Scholar-Athlete. Really uh, effervescent guy, well-liked guy, really good player. Had 19 tackles, I think, at South Carolina. Yeah, and, and I think the, the biggest thing with, uh, with Pup is you look at the physicality. Uh, you, you talked about his, his frame. Uh, but coming out of, of Jackson, that was sort of the reputation. This is a hitter. Uh, this is a leader, somebody with uh, impeccable credentials on and off the field. Uh, he was uh, on the 24-7 player rankings in the nation. He was 115 on their composite. So it speaks to his talent. This is a, a high-level four-star player that uh, has at least had a year of college. And, you know, I think the the word around the campfire was he got up there and kind of realized that this probably wasn't the place for him early on. And I do think that – you know that can certainly affect your play, uh, so I I think I think he's an impact player for the Gators. I mean I I think it is an absolute uh, coup for Florida to get a player like Howard at linebacker. I mean they have been so woefully undersized there for so many years. I mean th- this guy versus Scooby Williams, there's no comparison uh, in terms of of what Pup brings. So I think you look at Florida's linebackers now. With Shamar James, who appears like he's going to be on the team uh, this coming season, uh, Shamar James, you added Miles Graham and, and Childs uh, on signing day. Well, both two. look like good players. Yeah, at, I think guys that can make an instant impact. And now you add Pup Howard to that. So that's four really intriguing. One one is a proven commodity. Shamar James, we know, is a good player. Uh, and then you add three other guys to the linebacking core that's already there that I think can all make – impacts on next year's team so I, I think it's a massive get for Billy Napier and and again anytime Florida can 
can have a, a player from Jacksonville have success, and I think he's going to, it just it means it means the world in future recruiting, uh, and so I think he's going to have a lot of success at Florida. I, I think it's uh, I think it's been in the mood, the the cards for a while uh, that this was going to happen, and you know I I think it's going to be great for the Gators. I know Frank, you prefer to have the guys that come in through the transfer portal have experience, and I can certainly understand that. But I do think Pup has a lot of upside to Hayes's points. I think he might end up being a better player than Scooby Williams was, but again, yeah, that's projecting. Uh, I think Scooby leaving is, is not the worst thing in the world for Florida, unlike maybe some of the other players. But I think this is a guy that, yeah, he, he realized that Shane Beamer's club wasn't for him, and he realizes that he probably should have picked Florida in the first place. Yeah, and you're right. what you said is right. I, I Obviously, I prefer the 22- and 23-year-old guys, but that doesn't mean I don't want a guy like this if you can get him. I, I think he'll – you guys know better. And by the way, Hayes, I'm, I'm reading a story about him here. Uh, this is one of the Gator sites. And it says, in the linebacker room, he, in, he joins incumbent starter Shamar James along, along with Derek Wingo, Deuce Spurlock, Jaden Robinson. They're all inside guys. So you're right. Maybe, 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 they, maybe just a very big inside linebacker. You, you might be right. The, everyone seems to think what you think, that he's going to play inside. Who cares where he plays? Right, I mean, so yeah, play him at safety. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, he's going to help yeah, Florida's yeah, defense. So maybe, I mean, play him anyway. Play him at safety. I sure hope you're going to be a big safety. <laughs> six three two forty. Six, six four two forty safety. I, I hope. I, I look. I hope you're right. I, I I want him to be great, and if Jack and and to and to impact the team with the Jacksonville guys even better because they haven't done great with Jacksonville guys with with impact Jacksonville guys. That's right. In recent years, so I'd love to see it happen. I just uh, again, I, I don't follow it close enough to know why he didn't uh, on a South Carolina team that wasn't very good. Why he wasn't able to impact them, but you're right. There could be there could be a lot of a lot of reasons about that. I will say this: the uh, the two linebackers you mentioned got to watch them a little bit in that Under Armour game. I didn't watch some of their their tape. Miles um, Graham, Ernest Graham's kid, and people by the way, people forget how what a good player Ernest Graham was a really good player. Absolutely. If he doesn't get if he doesn't get hurt, they I, they beat Tennessee. Yeah. In the old one game, if he doesn't get hurt, then who knows what happens? But Aaron Childs and Miles Graham, they're two they're pretty good now. We got so. People got so caught from Florida's standpoint. We talked a lot about the FSU stuff lately, but from Florida's standpoint, people got so caught up in the guys that got away that they didn't get that they lost sight of the ones they got were good. I mean, they got some good players in that class. You know what I mean? You, yeah. when, you, when you lose so many, when you're third in the nation recruiting, and then you lose seven or eight four star guys and a five star guy, and all of a sudden you go from third to wherever they finished, 20th or whatever it was. Yeah, 16th, I think is third, where they third, are right now. Third to 16th. Then people think all they talk about is the drop. You lose sight of the good players they got. I think these two guys, uh, Childs and Graham, are good players. Yeah, they did well, obviously, at quarterback. Uh, they did well in terms of a star uh, on the defensive front. They did great at linebacker. And they did great in terms of adding elite speed at receiver. So, yeah, there's some good things about Florida's class for sure. Uh, it, it just could have been special. And, it, you know, and, and special went out the door when they lost to Arkansas. But, uh, you know, it. Again, what's going to be interesting now in spinning it forward is, does Florida really struggle in recruiting this summer? Because the hot seat, there's just, until he starts winning, there's no way to come off of that. So it's going to be a real challenge for Billy Napier in this offseason, and particularly in the summer, to get kids excited. Can he get those July commitments again? Uh, and then obviously the big question is, can he win and save his job and get it to uh, to National Signing Day in December. But I'm curious to see. I would not expect Florida to really have much going on in the summer because of the uncertainty. And then if they start to win, 
then maybe you start to see it pick up more in like November. Like maybe they become sort of the hot team in late November, early December. Uh, and maybe they become the team that kids are flipping to. But I wouldn't ex- I'd be re- it's going to be a test to see. And again, a commitment is just a commitment. We saw that this year. But if Billy Napier can have like a top three recruiting class going into week one against Miami, I mean, it would speak volumes about he's what a dynamic recruiter the guy is. It's just a shame that he's never been able to have wins and stability to be able to take that on the road on, on the trail. Because I, I, I think it's clear if he had it, he'd be a elite recruiter. But you got to win. And so far he hasn't done that enough. Any concern about DJ Lagway's sprained right foot? I don't think so. I mean, I don't think. I mean, even if it was bad, even if it was Liz Frank or something, he's he's number one. Well, he's Liz up, Frank would be bad. Well, that you're right because yeah. that'd be a year. Yeah. But I mean, even even if it was a, but I don't think it's that. But, but even 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 if it was a, a, a six month injury, he's back before the season. And uh, but no, I I don't get the impression. It doesn't like seem that. like it seems like it was more precautionary yeah. in terms of removing him from the All Star game. So yeah, yeah. he's yeah, supposed I to have mean, an MRI today. That's the only thing that I was like, I don't love that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if it's a let's say the foot is broken. I would think that's a puts him in some danger for spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's Liz Frank, he's going to miss the year I, again. I'd, I'd be surprised if it's that. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. So I mean, the the early word yesterday was that it was not a concerning injury. Right. And hopefully it won't. Be. We'll take a break. Lawrence News and Notes throughout the program after this. The Frangie Show live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. Look around you. Look up here. Thursday, this one called Lady. This is the anthem, right? Yeah, yeah. I More think so it, than the loser. I think it is, but, but I will say, <laughs> a good point. But I will, it may be reminiscing or cool change, maybe cool change. But I will say this, in my power poll of songs named Lady, I've got this first ahead of both Lionel Richie and Kenny Rogers. Wow. Yeah, I, got, I got it ahead of both. Little River Band should be taking a bow right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean it's a bold statement. Lionel Richie's Lady was good. Kenny yeah, Rogers' Rogers Lady was, was good. But I got this one first. <laughs> So you got Kenny Rogers I've got first Kenny in your number powerful. one. Okay. Yeah. I'd have this one number one. Too. Okay. Right, we've got a pair of tickets for you to go to AEW Dynamite Rampage. Comes up next Wednesday live at Daly's Place. Kicks off at 7.30. If you want to go, be caller number four. It's 641-1010. Caller number four. 641-1010. You are going to AEW Dynamite Rampage. Hayes, have you ever been to one of those? An AEW event mm-hmm. or just pro wrestling in general? Uh, AEW we'll start with and then pro wrestling. Uh, I have never been to okay. an AEW event. You'd like it, right? I think so. Yeah, it'd be fun. Be fun. Absolutely. You call number four, Hayes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, RJ, put me down <laughs> for those <laughs> tickets. Give him the number. No, no, don't do that. RJ, make him call. Give I'm him sorry, guys. We already have a winner. It's uh, Hayes Carter uh, on the Brandy Show. Uh, no, no.
By the way, please, please call in. And, and by, we, by the way, we're kidding. Please yes, call. we are God, kidding. Don't worry. The yeah, lines yeah, are no, already no, lit no, up. No, they can't I am ineligible. All right. I want to play this game, Would You Rather, okay. featuring two NFL head coaches. Would you rather have as your head coach Dan Campbell for the Lions or Mike McDaniel for the Dolphins? Dan Campbell or Mike McDaniel? I love the question. That's a really good question. Um, they are both incredibly different. Yeah, I would probably say Campbell. Okay. But it, but it, but I like both. I'd go McDaniel because his offensive mind is yeah really impressive. I've watched a lot of the hard knocks that they're doing mm-hmm. in season because I, while Jean is a Ravens fan, uh, her son John is a major Dolphins fan, and so Jean's second team is sort of the Jean's got a million teams. <laughs> But it's Ravens one, Dolphins two, and Jaguars three for Gene. And Which so is why uh, you might be heading yeah. to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I might be heading to Vegas. So uh so we've watched a lot of the in season hard knocks and he does a brilliant job. I mean, he he is really impressive. And and I didn't watch the Lions hard knocks last year, so I, I, I like them both, but I'd, I'd pick McDaniel because I think in this day and age, you've got to be able to scheme offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would lean that way. Before you continue, a uh, very important development. Michael tweets me that Sticks Lady is pretty good, too. I was that wondering actually if, may be first. I was wondering if that was going to yeah. make your ballot, but you didn't mention it. So I was yeah, like, maybe that's have. not the exact name. I think that, may, I think, I think that yeah. may go first. Then Little River Band, then Lionel Richie, and then Hayes' entry. Uh, sticks, I mean, a lady by Kenny Rogers. What about Dude Looks Like a Lady by Aerosmith? <laughs> Very nice. It's a good Very one. Nice. Uh, so, Frank, I want to get your thoughts on this. Joe Buck is happy to help Tom Brady in his transition from playing quarterback to the booth. Joe Buck says there are new things you have to think about when it comes to broadcasting. Knowing football is about fourth on the list. Um, again, I've never been an analyst. Right. And, he's, I, I'm a, and Joe Buck's a play-by-play, Yeah, obviously. I'm a big Buck fan. I think Buck's really good. I've, I've met Joe. He's a nice guy. I've met him a few times. I uh, uh he gets me. He's a guy that look Twitter is what it is or X whatever, but he's a guy that got beat up way more. He's a good broadcaster. He's a good guy. He's a, one of the best broadcasters going. So I'm shocked that he got beat up as much as he did. Um, I didn't know that. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Again, I work with two of the best analysts around. I mean, they're really good. I, I'm not saying just because they're my buddies. I mean, if you haven't heard Tony Baselli and Jeff Logman on those broadcasts, you're missing out. You know, because you listen. Mm-hmm. They, they they do a really honest to God. They do a really good job. But yeah, I would think there's. I w- I don't know that I would put football knowledge fourth. But, I, that's but, what I found surprising. But I get his point. His point is there's the mechanics of being a broadcaster and being engaging and, yeah, and, and having and, high and, energy is really important. That is, and telling the story and making mm-hmm. sure you know what the what what the viewers watching and see. So yeah, interesting stuff. It really is. Do you Hayes pay attention to the analysts? Like for instance, during the Sugar Bowl, Greg McElroy drawing things up, or or in the game before that, the Rose Bowl, Kirk Herbstreit drawing things up. Do you like the telestrator? Do you pay attention to them while they're doing it, or because you know football, do you just kind of tune them out? Yeah, I, I've never been a huge announcer guy. What really, uh, and I try not to let it because I understand you're talking for three and a half, four hours on a broadcast, mm-hmm. so you're probably going to say some things that. What bothers me is when they say something incredibly obvious. Like yeah. the other night, Herb Street drops a, "Hey, uh, Washington or Texas really needs a touchdown here." Thanks, Kirk. Yeah. You know, which, by the way, know. which Hayes pointed out at our watch party. Yeah, yeah. So like, <laughs> hey, he said, right. when no one is talking, Hayes goes, "Thanks, Kirk." We all yeah. got a lot. We all got a good chuckle out right. of it. Right, and so you know that that bothers me. So I mean, I. I I don't get a lot out of it, positively or, or negatively. I'm um. But uh, I think Brady will do a good job. I, I think he'll be prepared. And, I, again, I, I think you watch football. I, I, I think Joe Buck is answering that question from 
this is sort of what I need out of the guy. Like, you know, you can't ramble. Mm-hmm. You know, that's probably number one. Absolutely. Is you can't just Don't dominate step on my toes. it. Right. Yeah. You, you, you know, you've got to be concise. Uh, but uh, so I, I think Brady will do a good job. I mean, again, I'm sure he's watched enough football games in his life to kind of have some natural equilibrium for when it's time to talk and when it when it's time not to. And, I mean, he's Tom Brady. I, I can't imagine that he's not going to have insights. They're going to be very unique. What I think is hard is to be great for a long time. You're seeing it with Romo. Mm-hmm. Romo shows up. He's a sensation. Everybody loves Tony Romo. But now, as we get several years in, you know, now he's – I still like Romo, but I, but he gets criticized right. for, you know, he's not as good as, as maybe what he was made out to be early on. I, I just think it's a tough job. I mean, it's it's tough to to not say obvious things, but you also can't go too deep into the weeds of football because you have to, you know, understand that a lot of your audience – yeah, they they didn't play it. They they don't. You well, know, that's they, one of the challenges they have is this. Yeah. Is, is to not talking football ease. Right. And the great ones don't. Yeah. But and now, now there's all the Swifty fans. Now I don't need you telling me you need a touchdown when you're down ten. <laughs> right. Right. You know. Yeah. The uh, I I will tell you this, in in 17 years now of doing football play by play, and the last 10 of those doing being doing Jaguars games, I will tell you, to lay out and listen to the good color guys is really a, a treat. Because I worked with Gino Toretto all those years, who's very good. And I worked with Jeff Lagerman and Tony Vaselli, who are very good. It is, they make our job way easier when they are good. And I have been blessed with good ones, boy. You know, I mean, I, I even did one game with Shane Matthews last year, did the Gator Bowl. Boy, is he good. Do you listen to the Gators at all? Boy, boy, is Shane mm-hmm. good. I, I mean, so I, I'm, it, it's, a, it's a joy to hear them. And, and I hope Tom Brady becomes one of the very good ones. And I have no, no reason to believe he won't. It's got to be hard as the play-by-play going from working with one guy to two guys and back to one guy. Uh, a three-man booth is w- – the first year was hard. The first – because I'd never done it. The first year the first year or two, it was cl- clunky on my part because i just never done it. The best thing about our two guys is they work together so well. They, they – not just because one's offense and one played offense, one played defense. They know each other. They know each other's rhythm. They, you know what I mean? They, 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 know, mm-hmm. they know when the other one's going, when the other one's not. They play – they they throw to each other sometimes we have to play but yeah it's a different bro- to your question Lauren it's a different broadcast so a three a three man booth is very different than a two man booth no question all right let's get it to college basketball I saw this and thought it was interesting ESPN is projecting Florida to beat Kentucky at home on Saturday the Gators are three and a half three point six sorry even more than three and a half three point six point favorite against Kentucky and have a probability of sixty one point nine percent that would mark Florida's first win over Kentucky in Gainesville. Since 2018, if that happens, I, I think Kentucky's going to beat Florida just because I always expect Kentucky to beat Florida. But I don't think it's a mismatch these days. I, I think there's a lot of people that think, Hayes, that, can, that Florida basketball team might have something. We'll see. The, Todd, Todd Golden talked about it today, and he said, listen, the key is you can't get – the Florida team can't get beat up inside. That's the whole key. They were so bad in the paint last year. But that's going to be a heck of a way to start the season, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, twelve thirty tip. I think it is. It is. Uh, Florida. That that's a game. It's a big game. That if I wasn't traveling, I would go to the game. That that is that is one I haven't been in a long time. If if the Jags didn't put the Jags weren't playing this weekend, uh, that's a game I would I would if it if it was if it was. Well, hang on. When's the Super Bowl? If it was if it was February a month 11th. if it was a month and a half from now, 
that's a game I would go to the game. <laughs> yeah, and and I think in in looking at it, Florida has a chance because of how dominant they are on the glass, and that's how Kentucky has built its program. Really, I mean, they've always been a, a great rebounding team. They've certainly been that under Calipari, and uh, well, it's hard to believe this is like his sixteenth, seventeenth year there. Never thought that would happen. Um, and uh, I think Florida does have a chance. It's at home. They're going to have a, obviously a great crowd. And uh, and the way Florida attacks the glass, that will give them a chance to upset Kentucky. It, that part is going to be so much fun to watch because, yeah, like you've said, in the past, Florida just outmanned in the paint. And uh, I think that'll change this year. Uh, UNF opens ace on play tonight, taking on Stetson, 7 p.m. JU begins ace on play also tonight at Florida Gulf Coast at 7 p.m. Florida Gulf Coast, meanwhile, just knocked off at the time, seventh-ranked FAU, 72-68 to 68 this wow. past weekend. Big so win. Big win for FGCU. It would certainly be a big win if JU can win at Florida Gulf Coast tonight. And, and like I said, UNF at Stetson tonight. Hey, good luck, Ospreys. Good luck, Dolphins. They start, like I said, college basketball starts this week. And uh, and that's exciting stuff. And I and I, uh, you know, I feel about it. We, we have a rumble a week from Friday. That we didn't do. take long, did it? We'll be live at, at UNF all. Arena on Friday, a week from this Friday. Is a Ju and UNF? I get together in the first. We'll be we'll be at both Rumbles. They're both on Fridays this year, mm-hmm. which the with the schools asked for. So there'll be gigantic crowds, and we'll we'll be doing our show live from both of those. And I'm excited about it. That'll be a lot of fun. Just a follow up on that yes. point. Florida right now, 13th in the country in rebounding margin, and they've played a pretty good schedule. Yeah, they mm-hmm. have. So yeah. to be 13th in the country in rebounding margin at plus 11. Uh, playing the schedule they've played, uh, that that is going to last all season long as long as that front court stays healthy. Yeah, I think Tyree Samuel has been a, a massive addition. Uh, Frank, what's going on with Wander Franco, our last thing to get to before we do the takeaways? He's been accused yeah. of commercial sexual exploitation and money laundering, and his mother has been accused of some of that as well. Well, and, he, and, and he's also with ducked, relations with the minor. And, but he, and he's also ducked. He's ducked the the authorities. He's yes. ducked the authorities. That's that the big correct. thing is he's yeah. not showed up. And Wander, th- this isn't. I mean, he's going to go to jail for a long time. That I would I mean, think. This, this in the is, Dominican. For people that don't know, this is a player for the Tampa Bay Rays that was on his way to maybe a Hall of Fame career. He was a, right out of the gate, a shortstop mm-hmm. with power. I mean, a five-tool shortstop that, uh, I mean, plus everything. He, he He's never going to play again. I don't think so. I, I, think, it's wide, I think we've known that for a while. He's though. widely accepted he's never going to play again. And now I'm thinking he may spend an awful lot of time in jail. Goodness gracious. Yeah, absolutely. It's a sad state of affairs, that is for sure. All right, time now for today's takeaways. Now, today's takeaways, brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. My takeaways, it's a good day for the Florida Gators. Pup Howard, talented linebacker out of Jacksonville, uh, transfers from South Carolina to the University of Florida. That is an impact linebacker immediately. He was the 115th overall player in the nation, according to 24-7 Sports. Last year, plays one season for the Gamecocks. Now will transfer over and be a Gator. I think he's an immediate starter for Florida at linebacker, a position they desperately need help at with Shamar James. And they got more good news. George Gumps, a tight end slash defensive end. He's a converted tight end. He's a defensive end now out of Northern Illinois just committed to the Florida Gators. He is 6'4", 210. This would be a speed edge guy. Had three and a half sacks last year, two forced fumbles for Northern Illinois. And uh, again, went to Northern Illinois as a tight end. So 6'4", 210, probably still very raw, but an intriguing prospect to help Florida's uh, edge depth there.
Did you notice Hayes just added breaking news into his takeaway? That's how good he is. So, yeah, you can follow him at George G-U-M-B-S, uh, Gator fans, if you would like. My takeaway, Trevor Lawrence at least did throw a little bit at practice today. That is really good news with that shoulder injury. And hopefully he's going to be okay to play on Sunday because as we've detailed all week long, including today, win and you're in. You get to play host the Broncos in the Broncos, the Browns, in what I think would be a sensational home atmosphere. We got to see it last year against the Chargers. Really, it felt like a playoff game against the Titans the week before. You, you have to host a playoff game, a wild card game here at Everbank Stadium the way this season has gone. Uh, so I would say Trevor Lawrence playing would be on the way to that. Yep, I would say that, and I think uh, I think the Jags are wind up hosting. By the way, are you telling me the George Gumps era is about to start in Gainesville? It is. Oh, that changes everything. <laughs> I tell you what, now it makes sense why Miami hasn't gotten a quarterback out of the portal because no one wants to go into the swamp and deal with Gums week one. <laughs> now we know. Yeah. Now they've all said no, so there you go. Uh, folks, that'll just about do it for our program. One more show this week. We'll be in studio tomorrow from 3 to 6. And then we'll be off to Nashville. One final regular season game. We'll do our picks tomorrow. The last time this year we'll do that. We'll talk all about the uh, Titans and the Jags. We're very excited about uh, what the weekend will bring. A win and end. The Jags are one win away from a second consecutive division title. Only the second time in the history of the franchise that has ever happened. So we're out of here. Don't go anywhere. Jaguars Happy Hour comes up right now, and that includes the Doug Peterson Show. J.P. Shadrick and Jeff Lagerman will have that for you coming up in just a minute. We're out of here. For Hayes, Lauren, and RJ, I'm Frank Francis.